Hello and welcome to Dairy Pod. I'm Kristen Davis from Dairy Australia. In this episode, we share a recent Dairy Australia webinar discussion about heat stressing cows and how to keep your herd cool during extreme heat. Join Dairy Australia's Development and Regional Adaptation Lead, Feed Basin Nutrition, Dr Josie Garner, as she discusses the physiology of heat stress and the ways in which cows interact with the environment. Josie also looks at practical management strategies during hot weather to improve dairy cows' responses in terms of production and ability to recover from heat events. So my name is Josie Garner and I'm going to be delivering Dairy Australia's webinar on keeping cows cool, so all the ways that we can manage our cows this coming summer. So my name, uh, my role at Dairy Australia is Development and Regional Adaptation Lead. So my background is in dairy research. In a previous role, I was a dairy research scientist with Agriculture Victoria. Some of the research we're going to be hearing about today was the research I was heavily involved in in my previous role. Okay, so heat stress and dairy cows. So there's a few ways in which the overall heat load of a dairy cow can be um, can be developed. So cows, just like any other mammal, they produce heat internally. So they produce their own source of endogenous metabolic heat. So this is a combination of the way that their metabolism functions, but majority of this is actually contributed to the heat of production from the digestion and the rumination. So animal dairy cows are ruminants, so they've got their own source of heat that they produce in the rumen. So this actually contributes quite significantly to the heat that they have in their body. Another way that they gain heat is from the external environment. So we've got the addition of their metabolic heat processes as well as the heat that they gain from this external environment. So when we subtract off that, the heat that they can lose to the external environment by utilising their heat dissipation mechanisms, what the difference is, is their heat load. So when we see heat stress occurring is when we have temperature and humidity that increase and then the cow's heat loss dissipation mechanisms can't keep up. So basically they're gaining heat at a rate that is faster than their ability to offload that heat. So that results in the observable symptoms of heat stress. So the way that cows need to maintain their core body temperature is quite specific. They have a very narrow range of the temperature that they need to maintain at their core body temperature at. It's between 38.6 and 39.3 degrees. So it's quite a narrow range at which they feel comfortable and it's the most productive space to operate within. So when we get conditions that mean the cow's gaining heat faster than they can offload the heat, that's when we start to see significant losses in production. So when we get heat stress, severe heat stress, or even moderate heat stress, we can get production loss of up to 40%. In some extremes, we can even get a complete cessation of lactation, especially when cows are later in their lactation if the heat stress is severe enough. So heat stress can also cause declines in total milk protein, but these are just the acute responses that we can actually measure during heat stress. There are also more chronic and long-term effects of heat stress. So these are reduction in fertility, but also these are contributed by an increase in embryonic death and conception rates can be reduced during heat stress as well. Another chronic long-term response to heat stress is loss in body condition, but also their immune function can be susceptible, um, their increased susceptibility to infection. So their immune function is actually reduced. 
So what are the ways in which cows actually gain heat from the environment? Well, there's lots of ways, and they're very similar to us in this respect. They gain a lot of their heat from direct radiation from the sun and the sky. So this is why providing shade is so efficient, because we're taking out one of the major sources in which they gain heat. They can also gain heat, which is reflected radiation off any surface in their environment. This can be sheds, this can be trees, it can be the ground itself. So we know that the earth, the soil heats up when it's exposed to extreme solar radiation, and that source of radiation can then be absorbed by the cow via conduction. So she will gain heat from any warm surface in her environment. So when it comes to a cow's heat dissipation or their heat loss mechanisms, well, there are a few tricks up their sleeve that they can actually utilise to help mitigate the increase in their body temperature. So cows are effective at offloading heat if there's circulating cool air around their body and they use this via the process of convection. Cows can also radiate heat to the skies. This particularly happens at night. When we get that drop in air, so air temperature, they can actually utilise that temperature gradient from the skin surface to the air and offload heat that they've gained during the day. This is a really effective strategy. It becomes less effective when we don't get that cooling temperature at night. Then we see they're bringing in that extra temperature that they've gained during the day and they're carrying it through to the next day. And this is where we can get accumulation of body heat from one day to the next. Cows also radiate heat to the ground. So when there's the earth temperature cools down at night, when they lay down, when they're resting, they can transfer some of that heat through their large surface area on their belly into the ground by the process of conduction. But by far the most effective way that they can utilise heat loss is by evaporative cooling. So evaporative cooling is by the process of sweating and then it evaporating into the environment. Cows can sweat. They're not as effective at sweating as, say, horses are, but they still do. But this process is only effective if there is a gradient in temperature and humidity from the immediate surface around the cow's skin to the air. They also utilise evaporative cooling via their respiratory system. They've got a very large lung capacity and they utilise that when they increase their respiration rate and panting score. So when evaporative cooling does not become effective is when we've got increased in air, and in air temperature and humidity. So this image up the top here is giving a visual representation of how effective evaporative cooling can be when we have that temperature gradient. So it's lower humidity and lower temperature. The sweat's able to be evaporated and heat is transferred with it. So the reason cows are so susceptible to heat stress is the fact that we've got this very low thermoneutral zone. So thermoneutral zone is the zone in which cows feel most comfortable at their most productive between 5 and 25 degrees Celsius. So this is an average. So some cows will have a different range to this, but this is just an average. So on average, most cows at about 25 degrees Celsius will begin to have the observable signs of heat stress. So depending on where the cows have been raised, like what part of the country they live in, their breed, their production level, all these different variables are going to influence what that upper crit critical temperature is. But basically it means cows are much more susceptible than, um, than people generally would, um, would expect because this is quite a low threshold at which we can start to see the observable signs of heat stress and production loss. 
Another way that we can visualise the susceptibility of dairy cows to heat stress is by standardising the conditions into a temperature and humidity index. So a temperature humidity index is just a way to standardise different combinations of temperature and humidity and how that might contribute to the heat load of dairy cattle. So when it comes to actively monitoring your dairy cows for heat stress, there is two really simple and effective ways that we can get an understanding of how well are they tolerating their environmental conditions. So the first thing that you should look at is the breathing rate in cattle or their respiration rate. So a normal breathing rate for cattle is around 40 breaths per minute. So anything between 40 to 60 breaths per minute would be within the normal range. When we get to above 60 breaths per minute, the rate corresponds to a core body temperature that's about 39 degrees at this point. And this is the point in which you need to actively take steps to cool your cows and prevent the body temperature increase from, from, from increasing further. At 70 breaths plus, this is where cows are starting to physically struggle. This is where they're utilising extra energy to keep that core body temperature down. There's also another way we could visualise how cows are tolerating heat stress, and that's by panting score. Now, panting is something you've probably seen if you've been around cattle during hot conditions. So panting is just a way that cows are utilising that respiratory system to help utilise evaporative cooling and cool their body down. It takes a lot of energy to pant. So this is when cows are actively struggling and trying to actively keep their core body temperature down. So there's a scale of one to four. So zero is normal breathing, no, so no panting present. One is where you can see an increase in respiratory rate. So you can see that they're obviously breathing harder. Two, the respiratory rate is increased. Panting is more obvious. There is a presence of drool. Panting score three, there's a lot of drool present. They're panting quite significantly and their mouth is open. When we get to severe panting, so panting score four, the mouth is open quite obviously, the tongue can stick out at this point, the drooling is excessive and they generally have an extended neck. So to get an understanding of, to further decipher how susceptible your herd is to heat stress, we've got some information on this table here to help kind of categorise where you're at. So one of the biggest influences to how dairy cows respond to heat stress is their breed, so their actual genetic makeup. So we know that brown Swiss jerseys are less susceptible to heat stress than our bigger Holstein Frisians. But also what can be interesting is the actual age. So if you've got a herd that is mostly younger cows, so first and second calvers, they're actually much lower susceptible to heat stress than our more mature cows. So if more than if less than 40% of your herd are younger animals, so in their first or second life lactation, you've got majority mature cows on your in your herd. Mature cows are more susceptible to heat stress because they generally eat more, they're generally bigger, and they generally produce more milk. But also about mature cows is they've generally deposited more internal fat around their organs. So that basically insulates them, makes it harder for them to maintain their body temperature. But also we've got to think about what is your average milk production. So the higher producing your herd is, the more susceptible they're going to be to heat stress. If you're producing more than 8,000 litres or 600 kilos milk solids per cow per year, you're in that higher susceptibility threshold. 
If you're less than five and a half thousand, then you're in that lower end of the susceptibility range. But this isn't an exhaustive list of the ways that your cows can be categorised in terms of susceptibility. We've also got other factors that influence this, like temperament, their diet, which we're going to talk about a lot in the next, the second half of the presentation, their previous exposure to hot weather. So remembering back to that physiological acclimation, how much previous exposure have they had to hot weather? Also their physical activity level. So how big is your farm? What's the walking distance? What's the topography of your farm? Do they have to walk up lots of hills? What's the actual conditions on your farm in terms of how much activity your cows are doing? But also genetics. So we know that genetics plays a role not only with the breed of cows, but also the level of heat tolerance within the breed of cows. So we know that we have a heat tolerance breeding value available to the industry that quite significantly shows that breeding can improve heat tolerance in your within breed. Okay, so now you've got an idea of how susceptible your herd might be to heat stress. What can we actually do to prepare for that? How do we be prepared? And what are the things that we can be doing now to set our herd up for the best success? So one of the easiest and most cost-effective strategies that we can um, set up in our system to manage cows is a sprinkler system at the dairy yard. If you want more information on the individual specifications of a sprinkler system, there's really good um, specs in the Cool Cows manual, which is on the Dairy Australia website. Another strategy is consider installing industrial fans in the dairy. This is going to be a particularly effective if your dairy has an orientation where you don't get a lot of airflow. Now, thinking back to one of the cow's most effective ways at offloading heat is by utilising evaporative cooling. That only really works if you've got airflow and constant airflow. So fans at the dairy is a really good way to help utilise that evaporative cooling mechanism when the cows are near them and keep airflow moving. It's also really good for your staff at keeping them comfortable. Water troughs. Now, this is something that we've seen come up quite a lot when we've been on farm delivering cool cow workshops is quite often water infrastructure is a limitation. And it's one of those things that it's a system change. It often falls down to the bottom of the priority list because it can be quite extensive to resolve some of these water issues that have been going on on, on farms maybe for some time. But it's one of the fundamental things that we need to, do, to get right when it comes to managing cows through heat stress is making sure we've got troughs in all paddocks. We've got sufficient water pipe diameter, so thinking at least 75 millimetres in diameter to provide at least the constant pressure that we need to supply at least 20 litres per cow per hour during those hot days is the bare, is the minimum level we should be aiming for. But if you're only going to do one upgrade to your water infrastructure this year, it would be putting a water trough near the dairy exit laneway. This is really effective because cows will be thirsty after they've been milked. They're going to want to have a big drink before they have to walk back to the dairy. They can refuel, rehydrate before they walk back, and then they'll be hungry, ready to eat when they get back to the paddock. So dairies that have dairy um, troughs near their dairy exit laneway, cows will always stop for a drink. So that's a really effective one. Another one is considering a shade structure for your dairy yard. Obviously, this comes with a heftier price tag, but really effective, especially if you're in a climate where heat stress is a significant issue for you. Again, I mentioned the water infrastructure. Do a complete check of your farm's water infrastructure. 
Make sure you know what paddocks have issues with their troughs refilling or the ball floats constantly coming off or paddocks that you know need an upgrade in their water infrastructure. It's good to be aware of that before you get into the, the depths of summer and you're starting to have water issues. Another really effective strategy is doing a rating system of your paddocks from hottest to coolest, so based on the amount of shade cover you have, the water trough size and flow rate, and also the proximity to the dairy. So this is basically with the intention of identifying your coolest paddocks and make sure all your staff are aware of this is the protocol for our heat stress days. These are the paddocks our cows are going to go to because I've already checked off. I already know that this is the most suitable for paddock on the farm in terms of shade, water and proximity to the dairy. So when it comes to actually managing our cows through a high heat stress day, I'm just going to run through a scenario of what it could look like. But basically what this all boils down to is trying to manipulate the time budget of a cow during a hot weather day that's going to alter and shift the times at which she's eating, ruminating and doing physical activity. Because these three activities are going to increase body temperature. So we want to manipulate at what times of the day our cows are doing those activities to prevent further increases in core body temperature. So these list of eight strategies are going to be ways that we can manipulate the cow's time budget to help minimise that increase in core body temperature. So the first thing, and I know people aren't going to really enjoy doing this, but milking the cows earlier in the morning. So even though you've got to set your alarm earlier, your cows will thank you for it because the reason being, if you milk your cows before and feed them before 9am on those very hot days, what's happening is you're feeding the cows earlier in the day before the peak temperature in the afternoon. So what happens is you feed the cows early, as early as you can in the day. They're still going to be hungry because it hasn't got hot yet. Then they're going to have consumed the majority of their dry matter allocation for, that, for the day ration. Then they're going to be ruminating before it gets too hot. Then they'll seek refuge in the shade for the rest of the day before they're going to be milked later in the afternoon. So we're just manipulating that time in which her body temperature is naturally going to increase with that metabolic heat she's producing from digestion. So once you've done your coolest paddock rating system in your preparation phase, you'll know what paddock they need to go back to. So have the coolest paddock ready. So have it ready the night before, maybe feed out the night before so you can just make sure you get them back to the paddock as early as possible. Another thing we can do is manipulate the diet. So we're going to talk a lot about this in the next half of the presentation, but it, the basics are reducing that heat of fermentation of the rumen. So it boils down to basically increasing concentrates, feeding high quality forage. So high quality forage meaning low fiber adding a protein source and upping the amount of minerals, potassium, sodium, magnesium. So when we get to the afternoon, the peak temperature of the day, we do not want to be mustering cows in that peak temperature of the day because the first thing that's going to do is skyrocket body temperature. So we want to delay that as late as possible after 5 p.m. Before cows arrive at the yard, wet the concrete because that concrete's been baking in the sun all day and they're going to absorb radiant heat Remember back to that image, they're going to absorb heat from the environment, from the radiant heat on the concrete. Wet it down before the cows arrive, the water takes away that heat. 
Another thing you could do, and we've seen this a lot, is the size of the herd is actually outgrowing the size of your dairy yard. So if you have, you know, say you're milking 450 cows, but your yard was only designed to hold 300, then you've got a bit of an issue. If you cram that many cows into the yard, the first thing that's going to happen is their body temperature increases because they've just created their own microclimate. They're all huddled against each other. They're increasing humidity because what are they trying to do? They're panting. They're increasing their respiration. They've just created a microclimate of humidity. Really dangerous environment, especially in extreme conditions. So what you can do to mitigate that is muster and milk smaller groups of cows at a time. This minimises waiting time on the concrete, but it also prevents bunching up in the yard. So that means you can more effectively use the sprinklers when the cows are in the dairy yard to cool them down. The next thing you want to do once you've milked the cows later in the afternoon is the cows are going to be hungry at this point because they're probably not eating much during the day. It's been too hot. They've just wanted to spend most of the day in the shade. When you get them back to the paddock at night, the first thing they're going to want to do is eat, is eat a lot. So make sure you're providing your highest quality feed at night because they will try and compensate for the feed intake that they've lost during the day when it cools off overnight. So you'll be able to get away with feeding them a bit less during the day if you make up for that at night. But your highest priority should always be to provide cows with adequate water and shade. And you know that your trigger point threshold is 60 breaths per minute. So you need to take action to actively cool your cows when you observe them at this point. But what about setting your farm up for success into the future? How do you future-proof your system that if you know this is going to be an issue for you going forward, what are some things you can do now to plan better for the future? So one of those is a significant tree planting program on the northern and western edges of pastures. Obviously, that's a more longer-term solution because it takes a while to achieve adequate shade from tree planting, but an effective strategy nonetheless. Fencing off trees to protect them and also to reduce cows lying in mud. Incorporating the heat tolerance breeding value into your um, breeding program is obviously a longer-term solution because it will build generations on each other of improving heat tolerance. Installing shade at the dairy yard. Shade is really effective and the economics of it show that it can also be profitable. Building a permanent shade structure with a solid roof over a feed pad. Now, if you're interested in going down that path, there is more information on the Dairy Australia website about building permanent shade structures um, and Dairy Australia is hosting a Raising the Roof conference. So if you're interested in anything to do with infrastructure, you can get on the DA website to look into that further. Installing shades, if it's not something you can, um, sorry, installing fans, if it's not something you can do this summer, then think about potentially how it might fit in for next summer as a longer term strategy. You can get quite um, complicated with sprinklers. There's lots of cool technology around now. You can actually set them with temperature controls and set them onto timers. So you don't even have to think about it. They'll just switch on when a certain temperature is reached and they'll be on a timer. So they'll sprinkle for a certain amount of time and then they'll turn off, allow cows to evaporate, and then you can soak them again. So these are really effective um, and it just takes some of the guesswork out of it. Okay, so we've spoken a bit about the ways in which cows gain and lose body heat, the ways that we can actually practically manage them on a day-to-day -day basis 
you know, that fits within a farm system and thinking about longer-term planning. But what about feeding? What about the research? What's it telling us about how we can feed cows during heat stress? So the second half of the presentation, we're going to talk about the Dairy Fee-Based Feeding Cool Cows project that I was um, involved in in my previous role at Agriculture Victoria. So, you know, the biggest challenge we have is trying to limit that rise in body temperature when a cow is exposed to heat. We want to limit that loss in production, which means we want to limit that loss in feed intake as much as possible. But we also want to make sure that any kind of feeding strategy that we're testing is cost effective. So we set out to achieve basically an understanding of how can we manipulate all the dietary components of a cow's ration test them under controlled conditions and how cows respond. So we utilised our controlled climate chambers, did very detailed controlled experiments and measured how the cows reacted to different types of feed combinations and manipulating certain parts of the diet. So one of the um, things that we wanted to look into first was manipulating the forage component of the diet because this is obviously the biggest contributor of the dairy cow's diet so therefore, it has the biggest influence over the potential metabolic heat that a diet produces. So one of the things that we tested was chicory versus pasture silage. So the reason we chose these two is they're very commonly available summer forages in dairy farms in, in most of dairy, um, dairy states. So the reason we chose chicory is because it's got low fibre. It's lower in fibre than a lot of common forages, but it's lower in fibre than your typical ryegrass pasture silage. So fibre, this is a nutritional component that drives heat production in the rumen. So it takes longer to break down a kilo of fibre than any other nutrient. So we know that fermentation, it drives heat production but it also is the driver of intake because it actually takes up physical space and drives gut fill. So we wanted to compare these two pasture types, a low NDF and a higher NDF or a medium mid-range NDF forage and see what happens during controlled um, heat stress conditions. So what we found was that the body temperature increase when cows were experiencing hot weather or hot conditions when fed chicory was lower than the cows that were fed pasture silage. So this fits with our hypothesis, lower fibre, the cows were able to produce less metabolic heat, able to maintain a lower core body temperature. So even though a point, um, 0.3 degrees difference in body temperature doesn't seem very much, when you think about the range of their physiological temperature in which they operate, it's actually quite significant. We also observed that the cows fed chicory compared to pasture silage, they produce significantly more milk. So this is a no-brainer really. So we encourage farmers to give this a try and ensure that even if you can't grow chicory on your farm, the basis is still if you've got a higher quality digestible forage, use that in summer preferentially during those heat stress days. It's going to set your cows up to better manage their body temperature and potentially improve their milk yield responses during heat stress. To watch the full webinar titled Managing Cows Through Heat, search Dairy Australia on YouTube. We've also placed this and other relevant links in the episode notes. We hope that you have enjoyed this DairyPod episode. 
If you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, you can get in contact with us by emailing dairypod at dairyaustralia.com.au. Thank you for listening. Thank you.